what are you doing, Doc? I need fuel. <laughs> Give me fuel, take a fly, sit me tracing out of sight. Welcome to Fantasy Fuel. We are going to get you fueled up today in a different sort of way. But first, we're going to lead off on a little bit of news. Uh, We've been talking a lot about Alvin Kamara. And we just want to rehash one more time because Sean Payton came out and said he doesn't want to give Kamara any more touches. Uh, We touched on it a little bit last episode We asked each other who we thought might fill in those roles, and uh, Sean Payton says Alvin Kamara's not going to get any more touches. What do you think about that, Tom? Well, I actually looked it up, and Sean Payton said that Kamara gets more more than 15 carries, then that would be a problem. But I looked it up, and Kamara actually got 7.5 carries last year per game, while Mark Ingram got 15 carries per game. So... If he does just fill in the Mark Ingram carries, that basically doubles his carries and his workload. Now, that being said, they're going to have to uh, find either a running back that can fill in the seven and a half carries that Kamara had last year, or the Saints are going to have to pass a lot more, which would mean if they pass more, then you might want to find a defensive back that goes against Drew Brees if you're in an IDP league that is very true uh if Jonathan Williams or Trey Edmonds or one of those two running backs really can't feel fill the void then you are right Drew Brees is going to throw the ball more which is fine Drew Brees is going to get his stuff uh, and that means in an IDP league those cornerbacks that Drew Brees goes against he is going they're, they're all going to get more tackles uh, maybe an interception or two I mean Drew Brees isn't perfect I mean he's pretty darn right. close uh, <laughs> but that that leads us in to our episode today that's why we're a little bit different we are going to go uh, in depth about IDP leagues uh, Tom and I have both played in IDP for quite a while, and I know it's starting to get a little more popular. So we're going to take you all to school, and we're going to do IDP <laughs> 101 for everybody today. That sounds great. And if you don't know what IDP stands for, it means individual defensive players. And basically what you do is you don't start a defense, but instead you start individual players from positions like uh, defensive tackle, defensive end, uh, linebackers, safeties, cornerbacks, stuff like that. And they score differently. It's it's weird with IDP because sometimes they score heavily in tackles, sometimes heavily in sacks. But yeah, you get you get points for sacks, tackles, interceptions, pass defense, maybe uh, touchdowns, obviously, uh, forced fumbles, fumbled recoveries, etc. There's there's all sorts of things you can use in IDP. But the scoring systems are a little different from one to one to another to another. Now, if you're in a league where tackles mean more, then linebackers would score more points because they typically get more tackles. Now, if you're in a if sacks means more in a league, whatever, a defensive end isn't a bad option. And you know, safeties are good because they get balls that uh, they can defend and they can tackle and they can get an interception here and there. It, with cornerbacks, though, that's that's a that's an iffy one for me because 
there's a ton of them out there. You really don't need to get a high quality cornerback because there's so many of them out there that you can just kind of stream them. Like just get one here, get one there. It's not that big a difference. They all score pretty decent. But with cornerbacks as well, you can get somebody like years past Darrell Revis where they don't throw his way. He He's a great cornerback back then. And same with uh, Richard Sherman. Uh, back then, they were great cornerbacks. There's no doubt about that. But they don't score in fantasy football because they don't get thrown to. They throw somewhere else. And on the flip side of that, you can have a bad cornerback. I remember a couple years ago, I had a cornerback that was just awful. I don't even remember what his name is. That's how bad he was. In the NFL, that's how bad he was. But on fantasy football, he was scoring me darn near 15 to 20 points every single week. So sometimes you don't have to have a guy you know as far as cornerbacks go you can they can be bad <laughs> that is so true uh i remember that season and again i can't even remember who it was because <laughs> he right. might not even be in the league anymore it was that <laughs> bad that year but before we get too in depth with yeah. different positions and players and scoring we need to talk about how valuable idp players are in your league if you're in one that have idps um, I know there are some leagues out there that they have one IDP spot, and, and that's fine if you just want to get acclimated to it, have a little bit of fun, do something different, throw your league off just a little bit. If you have one IDP in your league, it really will not matter who you take, right. where you yeah. take them. It's just a fun position. Obviously, you still have to do a little bit of research. But it's yeah. there's going to be guys out there you can get on the waiver wire all year long. So if your guy gets hurt, no worries. You got somebody to pick up. Now, there are some leagues that do three positions. And if they do three positions, they will separate them from defensive line, linebacker, and defensive back. So what that means is you can have either a defensive end or a defensive tackle in the defensive lineman spot. And you can have either a safety or a cornerback in your defensive back spot. So there's lots of options there, but it gets a little bit more important to do some research because linebackers are always going to be the top scoring guys as long as tackles are prominent in your scoring. Right. Now the last one, and this is the one we'll probably talk about most, uh, is because we've played in this for many years now. We have... 11 players on defense which is what yep. they have out on the field yeah so that gets your waiver wire real thin towards the uh, middle end of the season uh, and in those 11 we usually break it down and we have at least one of every spot so there will be a starting defensive tackle a yep. starting defensive end usually two to three linebackers cornerback and a safety with a few flex positions thrown in there We'll talk about our league. Uh, we call it the Flag League, just for reference for everybody out there. If we reference yeah. the Flag League, that is the one that Tom and I are in together. Yeah. 11 defensive players. What does that really mean? Can you give us a little breakdown? Well, uh, what's more important when you have 11 defensive players that you have to start? You have to have more than 11 defensive players on your team. So you, and it's 16 teams. So there's a lot of defensive players that are available, but there's a lot that you have to have as well. But what is the most valuable position? Um, I'm going to argue, I don't even want to talk too much about defensive tackle because 
there's a ton of them and there's only a few that score really well and if you don't get one of them you might as well just go out and pick a guy just get get some names in a hat and just pick one out and there you go when it comes to like linebackers though well here's what i did i took i took the top 10 scoring linebackers from the flag league and i added them up and then i averaged it and it came out to be 233 points so that was the average of the top 10 and i did that with the safeties as well and that came out to be 250 points and with the defensive ends i did that it was a 230 points now the difference here is what i did was with the linebackers i took the top score and i subtracted that from the 10th score and it came was a difference of 40 so it's really not that much of a difference so the linebackers it seems like they're more not consistent but they're very it doesn't tear off that it just consistently goes down it doesn't go boom there's a guy that scored 140 points and then 100 points there's not a big difference and then with the safeties it went from 314 was the top score and 223 was the lower score in the top 10 which was a difference of 91. That's a big jump from top to, to bottom. It's not really bottom. It's the top 10. But that's a big jump. They might be a little more valuable to get a, a better quality safety. Defensive ends, though. This was the one that took me off guard when I saw it. The top two guys on defensive ends scored 272 points and 271 points. From the second position, which was the 271 to the third was 26 points. That's a huge difference from two to three. And from and from five to six was 17 points, another big difference. And from seven to eight, 22 points, another big difference. These are tiers. Tiers that are coming from these guys are top tier, these guys are next tier, these guys are next tier, next tier. That is probably the most inconsistent, most unflexible position on your team. So basically what I think is the most important is the defensive end because if you get one that can score good you got something good there but if you don't have that flexibility with the defensive ends as you do with linebackers or safeties or especially cornerbacks because you can just go out and get one like I said earlier and I just want to run down a few of those names in the top 10 for defensive ends uh these guys you're gonna know most of these names uh there's a couple out there that i just want to highlight too um uh the top two in the flag league were cameron jordan and calais campbell those guys had yep amazing years yep um then you have the aging chandler jones uh joey bosa who might be the next jj watt in fantasy scoring if he can really really stick it in this year um, the one guy I see on this list in top 10 defensive ends that I didn't realize was Ezekiel Ansah. And I like yeah. Ezekiel Ansah, but my goodness, is he inconsistent? I would call <laughs> him the Julio Jones of defensive ends because he, he gets a 40 point week and then hides for a couple of yeah. weeks and then comes back and hits you another one. So if there were such a thing as a best ball league for defensive ends, he would be the guy you'd want. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see Julio play defensive end. I think that would be entertaining. That would be very fun to watch. (laughs) So, defensive end, very volatile. But if you can get that guy, it's going to make all the difference in the world. I traded for Demarcus Lawrence uh, two seasons ago in the flag league. And it's been a breath of fresh air that I don't have to worry or play the matchups. Who do I think has a worse offensive line this week? So, 
I can stick to Marcus Lawrence in there and just be happy. I mean, he was the number five right. overall, so he was in that second tier of defensive ends, which is more than enough for me. Yeah, I would say you have to get within the first two, maybe three tiers. Otherwise, it's going to start dropping off because, like I said, there's big jumps, and that's really the only position that I saw that there were tiers of players. Yeah. Um, do we have anybody that you have your eye on defensive end-wise this year? Uh, man, I don't want to spoil it because I do have uh, an ESP about a defensive end later on in the show, but – yeah, I can't spoil it. We're going to have to wait for that one. All right, all right. I, I won't push you too much this time. <laughs> all right, I want to talk a little bit about linebackers now in yeah. our flag leagues. They are a mainstay, but they're not, you know, just insanely overpowered. There are some leagues that where all you're scoring is tackles, so if you don't have a top linebacker, you're not going to have the guy. You're not going to, you know, keep up with the rest of the league. Um, interestingly enough, in the flag league, C.J. Mosley was the high point scorer, and the, it surprised me. Um, I know he was very yeah. consistent. Uh, he played a little bit uh, different of a position than he's used to, but he still scored. Um, I guess that's a testament to his versatility, and in the fantasy world, that is something amazing to have. I mean, he's always been consistent as far as year to year. I mean, as long as he wasn't hurt. He's been consistent. Uh, he's always that guy. You look at oh, oh C.J. Mosley. There he is. I gotta, I gotta think about that guy. You gotta take him because there's some other ones that you might not think are going to be that consistent. When he's on the field, he is incredibly consistent. Uh, another guy I would like to talk about this year is Blake Martinez uh, for the Packers. Uh, he seems to be drawing some interest. Um, I've had people ask about him in other leagues trade-wise, and I'm not ready to give him up for anything. I think he's going to be an anchor of that Packers defense, even though they drafted a linebacker this year. I think I think Blake Martinez will be another one to keep your eye on. I mean, he's no Luke Keekley or, yeah. uh, you know, Levante David, who was uh, off a little bit last year. I think he might come back strong, too, but... Uh, Blake Martinez for the Packers. Uh, keep your eye on him. Uh, what do you think about him? Well, he he ended up getting about 232 points last year in the flag league, which is what we're talking about. When and that's that's pretty good. I mean, he played every single week. He didn't have a week off, so that there's your consistency there. And he actually scored more than Luke Keekley did. So well, Keekley had one. Well, he did miss one game, but I mean, if you want to compare him to the top linebackers as far as fantasy goes last year was a pretty good way to compare it he did well he was in the top four for linebacker scoring so that's pretty darn good I would say yeah he had uh 96 uh solo tackles yeah uh and 48 assists which is a ton of work out there uh he only had two games under 10 points in that league uh week one versus the Seahawks and week 10 versus the Bears. Uh, I'm not sure why he disappeared against the Bears, but uh, <laughs> those were the only two teams he had problems getting any kind of production for. I mean, you look at yeah. some of these other games. He had a 30-point game against the Steelers, 11 tackles, uh, one for mm -hmm. a loss, four assists, a fumble recovery, an interception. Uh, when you can get that out of a linebacker, you are, you're going to have a good week. 
Well, yeah, and and the key is is that he's got these points on tackles and so, and some sacks, but he only had one interception. So that was a whole that was for the whole season. So he's getting these points on tackles. That's for me. Tackles are bigger than say if a guy had six interceptions. That's not so consistent. I mean, unless he's doing it every single year, and you see that consistency as far as interceptions go, but. Tackles are a much more consistent way to know how somebody's going to be year to year. Oh, for sure. And if you're in a startup league of any kind that does IDP, uh, you're still you're not going to want to jump on the IDP train too early in a draft because there are so many more players. Um, we talked about that 11 players in our starting lineup. Well, there's 11 players on the field. But compared to offense, there's actually only six guys on the field that you're going to be able to get points from since we don't draft right. offensive linemen. So yeah. there's going to be a ton more talent out there to pick from. And picking from cornerbacks, like we were talking about a little earlier, you don't have to. I'm, I'm looking at the stats here. You go the top, let's see, the top two guys... Uh, Adore Jackson and Desmond King. Now, Adore Jackson, I know, returns some kicks, so he probably had yeah. some return yards in there. But then you look at uh, number three, 220 points, Tredavious White from Buffalo. And you go all the way down to number 25 in cornerbacks, 160 points. That's 22 <laughs> players, and that's only 60 points in between those. Right. So there are so many out there. So, guys, please, if you're playing in leagues, where you have to have cornerbacks, you don't need to take them early. You you could leave one off of your roster at the very end and just <laughs> pick somebody up. You can take a flyer on another wide receiver or a rookie something and just drop him when he doesn't pan out in the preseason and pick up your cornerback <laughs> then. You know, like we used to do with kickers back in the day, which oh, our league yeah. still does have kickers, which uh, I'm kind of surprised nobody has brought up that we wanted to get rid of kickers it seems to be a lot more where leagues are, you know what? We just don't want kickers anymore. <laughs> I don't mind kickers so much, but it does seem kind of strange where you just kind of just get one. You don't really even care which one you get. You just get one. As long as he's kicking, that's it. Like, <laughs> that's all that really matters for kickers. And that's where and I'm seems, going with this. Is, it seems the same way with cornerbacks. Yep. So cornerbacks are the kickers of the defense so yeah. just get one stick them in you know he's, he's gonna get you a few points that that's all you need to know I will I will say though about cornerbacks and at least in the flag league if you are struggling and you don't have enough linebackers that you think are going to be good or enough safeties that I think you'd be, you can find some pretty decent scoring cornerbacks just sitting on the waiver wire just go out there grab them I did that a couple times last year, and it panned out because they scored decently. They all score about the same, which is actually a handy thing to have in your league. Oh, sure. And if you, you know, in we're in a dynasty league, so from year to year, uh, bye weeks are going to change. So you might all of a sudden yeah. have half your defense on bye in the same week. Well, go out and pick up a couple of cornerbacks, and yeah. boom, there you go. Flex players filled that's i guess you could say cornerbacks are the most valuable position because you can just get them i don't know how but i would still i'd still argue for defensive end yeah no i 
it's nice to, you know, when your defensive end is out there and you have an Adrian Claiborne week where he gets, what, <laughs> six or seven sacks yeah. in the one game, and uh, you're going to win a week like that. So cornerbacks probably aren't going to win you any weeks. But they're not really going to lose you any weeks. That's... And, I, I, and they usually get pretty decent points. No, that that's the beauty of them. They're there for a reason. Uh, just remember that the Richard Shermans and Darrell Revises of the league yep. are not going to get you the points. Patrick Peterson's probably not going to get you too many points unless right. he, you know, uh, you have return scoring and he gets back on a punt return and takes one to the house. <laughs> You're not going to get much yeah. out of him. Uh, I want to touch a little bit on safeties too before we move on. Uh, the number one safety was by far and away the number wow. one safety in this league, and he's been a favorite of mine in fantasy. I've had him on some team somewhere every year that I play, and that's Rashad Jones from the Dolphins. Yeah, if he wasn't in the top five every single year, then I would say don't do that. But he always in the top five, unless he gets hurt. He's always there. He is amazing when it comes to fantasy points and even on the field production so it's like yeah Rashad Jones is the guy to have yeah he actually only had one game under 10 points last year and that was eight and a half points versus the Broncos uh and yeah. the Broncos were not very good last year so he probably didn't need to do a whole lot on the field but the week before he had 10 tackles against the Patriots so you know going against Tom <laughs> Brady he was all over the field yeah he's one of them guys that aren't just consistent but they're consistently great like it yeah the eight and a half points that he got that one week okay you'll take eight and a half points i mean a lot of other safeties give you eight and a half points anyway so you take that and you say all right next week he's gonna get something better i mean the next week he did he got 13 points so that's above 10 so it's like he's not just consistent he's consistently great Yes, he is, and if he keeps his pace up, of course, he'll be a surefire Hall of Famer, though he probably won't yeah. win a ring in Miami unless they do <laughs> some drastic changes here. Yeah, probably not. All right, one more thing I want to talk about when it comes to fantasy football IDP is, at least when we play, we play on uh, myfantasyleague.com. And they change positions from time to time. There have been a couple players yeah. over the years. Uh, I know at one point I had a defensive tackle. I was like, all right, I got my guy. And then right before the season started, they changed his position to a defensive end because he yeah. was in a 3-4 scheme. And one of those guys we're actually going to talk a little bit more about later, but we'll touch on him now, is Aaron Donald. When mm -hmm. he was a defensive tackle... He was by far, in a way, the best defensive tackle in fantasy. Right. They've switched him to a defensive end, which he's still great, but he's not quite as valuable in fantasy. Uh, I'm looking here. He was actually number nine overall in defensive tackle scoring in our league. And that's defensive because... End. Or defensive end, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and that's because in our league, defensive tackles get a little bit more points for sacks and tackles for losses than defensive ends do. So when he got moved, he actually became less valuable. Now, 
still a number one defensive end. Uh, we have 16 teams uh, in each side of this league. It's basically two 16-team leagues in one. Uh, so a number one defensive end would be top 16 in this league. And so he's still in the top, you know, almost top half as a defensive end. Yeah. But if he ever got moved back to defensive tackle, I would probably pay an arm and a leg to try and acquire him. Yeah, he's one of them guys, if he was a defensive tackle, you might say, I'm going to take him as my first defensive player. I mean, you don't, you might not even think about anybody else because he was scoring that much. I mean, even last year as a defensive end, he scored 200 points. So, I mean, that's still pretty good as a defensive end. And if you look at the uh, defensive tackles, the uh, the highest score, I'm going to pop it up real quick, the highest score was 184 points from defensive tackles last year. So he right there, he's already higher than the number one guy. And that's without the defensive without tackle the scoring. Yeah. yeah, he probably would have been close to 250 points or more as a defensive tackle exactly. just because of the scoring system. Those scoring systems, uh, like we said earlier, if you're tackle-based, you're going to want to go linebacker. If it's sack-based, you're going to want to go defensive end. Now, in our league, we score for everything. I mean, yeah. when it comes to sacks, we score for the sack. We score for how many yards the quarterback was sacked for. Uh, everything gets scored in this league. And I know that's not going to be the typical way that defensive players are scored. But yeah. I think it's more fun to have everything count for something. Yeah, because, if, I mean... <laughs> If you get a tackle behind the line of scrimmage, that's you did something more than just tackle a guy. You you got him behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, you made him lose yardage. So you should get points for that. I don't I don't know why other leagues don't think about that and whether or not I mean there's a lot that do do that, but some of them don't. They just get points for tackles. So it's like I want my guy to get the points that he deserves. Yes, totally. And Another way we do that in this league is, you know, fumble recoveries and interceptions. Obviously, those are already scored, but they get the return yardage for all of that. So if a yeah. guy gets a 90-yard interception return for a touchdown, that's <laughs> like a 20-plus point play all on its own. So yeah, when that happens... you get happens, the for the touchdown. Yes. You get, and you get the yardage, and you get the interception. So it's like, wow, that's a lot of points. Yes, it is. All right, we're going to take a break, and I want to ask you guys, let me know if you guys are all into IDP leagues or you know if you'd rather just team defenses. You can contact us on Twitter at FantasyFuel, Facebook.com slash FantasyFuel, or email us at FantasyFuelPodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Do you guys have a favorite IDP that you go to every year, I want to hear it. Okay, we're going to move on. We're going to talk a little bit about the rookie drafts in the Flag League. Yeah. Uh, since there was two sides, we have two drafts that we can look at. Uh, we're going to focus a little bit on the defensive side, but I want to go through some of the uh, outliers and differences also for the uh, offensive side of the ball. Now, Obviously, Saquon Barkley was number one in both leagues. Geis, number yeah. two in both. Sony Michelle, number three in both. And then we had uh, somebody who's very high 
DJ Moore take him at number four uh, on the NFC side. And on the AFC side, uh, they just kept going running back. They went running back to seven uh, all the way on the AFC side. And they sprinkled a couple of wide receivers in on the AFC side. Now we get to our first IDP player on both sides uh, at the 14th overall pick and yeah. the 17th overall pick, which is the second or the first pick in the second round. And that was both Roquan Smith. I I think everybody is pretty much entrenched that Roquan Smith is the number one rookie IDP this year. Yeah, I don't have too much of a problem with it, but I do have a small little issue with taking a defensive player in a rookie draft. I don't know. It's just it's just really me, I think, because a lot of other people think differently. But I will go offense probably every single round up until the fifth round, depending on how many rounds you have and whatever league you're in. But the fifth round is when I start thinking about the uh, defensive players because offensive players are the ones that mean a little more because like we said earlier there's so many more defensive players that you can pick from not saying that he wasn't gonna he's not gonna get a lot of points this year he could and I think he has that possibility but I would have waited just a smidge bit longer well reiterate and this league is also a salary cap league so that plays a little bit into our our thinking as well because you won't have these guys forever uh once they're uh contract is up they'll have to get either franchised or you won't have them anymore and linebackers they don't cost a ton so when you take them a little higher they cost a little more in our rookie draft because it's it's tier based how much they cost yeah not saying that Roquan Smith isn't going to be good maybe uh you know because the team that took him had a late pick and that means maybe they've already got a good team set up and they just need another piece of the puzzle to compete for the rest of the year. Yeah. It really depends on what your team looks like before you go into the draft. But like I said, I kind of, I'd like to wait on defensive players. Not, not saying he's not going to be good, but uh, one thing before we move on from the draft, I want to look at the first two picks on the AFC side. They're both the Patriots. I don't know how you score both of them picks, <laughs> but you they get Barkley and you get Geis. And that's going to set you up pretty good for a while, I would think. And then the next two picks are the Raiders. They got Shoney Michelle and Nick Chubb. They're not, I don't think they're going to be as good as the uh, Barkley and Geis, but then you're setting yourself up for success in the future or even right now because these guys could end up playing this year and have a pretty big role. So I, I just wanted to touch on that. I thought that the that was kind of funny. Only two teams in the first four picks, and they ended up getting all four of, uh, not all of the running backs, but four of the top running backs, and I thought that was kind of good. Oh, yeah. It, if you look at the comment section in our draft, I swear every other pick was traded in this draft. It was <laughs> so insane looking at, all the jumps and the different teams that ended up in the top were, I had no idea. I mean, you we're talking about the Patriots got two running backs, Barkley and Geis. The Raiders took two running backs and Michelle and Chubb. There was also another team that had two picks <laughs> in the top ten in the Colts, and they also took two running backs in Ronald Jones at six and Carrion Johnson at ten. So those three teams, if they can keep those guys around, if they're all actually decent you know, running backs, they're going to have a lot of money to spend elsewhere in that league. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, it's, I, I, they're going to be set up for success. The one thing I think usually about rookie drafts is I usually say, yeah, I don't care too much about rookies. Give me guys that are proven now. But if you can get a good amount of rookies, some of these guys, if not all of them, could end panning out the way that you want them to. And then you could be set up for a long, long time. For sure. Um, I, th- I thought it was interesting um, in the AFC side, uh, Josh Rosen was the first quarterback taken at 13 yeah. overall, and the first quarterback in the NFC side was Lamar Jackson at 16. Uh, Josh Rosen didn't go until 19 overall in the NFC side. So there's, I mean, we talked about the quarterbacks in our first episode. There's yeah. so much different possibilities with these quarterbacks that I, I can definitely see why it wasn't as even on both sides where the quarterbacks went. Yeah, and listen, I think Jackson is probably the biggest uh, possibility as far as fantasy production. If he doesn't get in this year, just wait. Like He's going to get in at some point, and that's probably why you take him so early because you sit there, you you put him on your taxi squad, you could give him three years of, of nothing, and then if he comes in that fourth year and just lights it up, I mean, you got something really good with him. Yeah, I actually did a uh, best ball draft last night, and yeah. it was getting down to where I wanted to take another quarterback, and there wasn't <laughs> much left. I mean, I had decent options earlier. I took Deshaun Watson, um, yeah. and it came down to do I want to take Joe Flacco yeah. or Tyrod Taylor or yeah. – do I take a chance on Lamar Jackson? And I just I couldn't take Flacco because I don't know what <laughs> Lamar Jackson because if he gets on the field, I mean, the fans are going to be screaming for him already. Because oh, there's no doubt. But yeah. yeah, I ended up taking Tyrod Taylor just because, and then I almost took Baker Mayfield with the very last pick, but I decided against it. I'll just I'll take my chances. <laughs> uh, the second uh, defensive player in our draft was taken. Very, very close to each other on both sides. That was Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker of the Buffalo Bills. He seems to be the consensus number two guy pretty much everywhere, and I can't really argue with that one either. No, not really. I mean, it's it's pretty much it's just easy to it's easy to get the guys that you already know are going to be there. It, I think what it is challenging is when you get late in these big, huge drafts. Is sometimes you get down to these defensive players and even offensive players. For that, for that, but you just get down there and you're just like, I don't know who this guy is. Let me look him up real quick because you, you, these guys get drafted either so late or even they go undrafted and they end up signing somewhere. So you're like, okay, who's this guy? Or you can just start p- taking your favorite guy on the on the team that you root for, like I did with one of my picks. Uh, I took one of the guys way late in the draft. It's just ah, he's a jet, so I'm going to go ahead and take him. Right, right. Um... One of the guys that had a little bit of, actually it wasn't even too much of a difference in both, is uh, my guy Equinamius St. Brown. Uh-oh. He was taken at uh, 28 overall in the AFC side and 34th overall on the NFC side by yours truly, Mr. Tuttle. Yeah, I took him. Uh, I didn't really expect him to fall that far. I wanted a cu- another guy. But he was taking like two two picks before mine, so I was like, "Well, I guess I'll just have to go with Equinamius St. Brown." I said Equinamius. Can you believe that? Good job. I did it right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about it. The one of the biggest surprises I saw, difference wise. I mean, I guess it's not a huge 
difference. But on the NFC side, Derwin James, the safety out of Florida State, uh, was taken at 20th overall. And in the AFC side, he was taken at 29th overall. It was a little bit of a difference, but uh, I think the AFC side was focusing more on offense like you said you would. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I know one of the teams that took him on the NFC side, uh, they lost a couple of safeties from contracts, so they probably needed him more than the teams on the AFC side did. Yeah, a lot of times you're just basically drafting your need when it comes to fantasy football. Sometimes you do draft the best player out there, but if you have things filled up, you really don't need to go out and get one. Uh, so it's just like, yeah, just get, get what you need. And then if it doesn't work out, then maybe next year you say, all right, <laughs> I'm going to get the best guy. Uh, so, I don't know. It, it really depends on how you are looking at your draft. Yeah, I wasn't paying uh, a ton of attention Early in this draft, of course, I went over everything after it was done. But yeah. I traded away a bunch of my picks last year uh, just trying to win. And I won the division, but it didn't get much farther than that. So <laughs> my picks were very late. And when it got to my pick, uh, I looked for a couple of guys. And one guy I was surprised was still there. I didn't actually take him because uh, I took uh, a tight end from the Texans. But uh, yeah. Shaquem Griffin was still there, and I thought, oh, well, maybe with my next pick because I had one shortly after that. So on the NFC side, Shaquem Griffin went 105th overall. On the AFC wow. side, he actually went 76th overall, so a difference of almost 30 spots. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a testament to having faith in Shaquem Griffin uh, or if he just had the name recognition and somebody wanted to, you know, take a flyer on him. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, look, it's, it's a story that everybody's going to like because I mean, he doesn't have the arm. Uh, so, it, but he knows how to tackle. I did see a few of them clips from the last previous year when he was in college and man, he knows how to wrap up. Maybe losing that arm was the best thing for him because he knows how to wrap these guys up and he plays hard and he's fast. I mean, that's obvious, but man, I do like him, and I'm very interested to see what he's going to do this year in the National Football League. Yeah, it will be fun to watch, and uh, the guy in the NFC side that took him was actually our resident Seahawks fan, so he'll be (laughs) rooting for him in more than one way. (laughs) Yeah, he will. Uh, Now, a team that is facing off and the favorite to win the division that the Seahawks are in this year is the LA Rams. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about their free agent pickups and some of their, you know, IDP worthiness. Why don't you take the lead on this one? Well, I'm going to start talking about Aaron Donald and Nandama Sue. I heard somebody on a different podcast. Yeah, I do listen to other podcasts because I'm not perfect. and we're, None of us are perfect. We want to know what other people think about other players. And I heard somebody say that Sue is still a great defensive tackle and that we will help out the Rams a lot. I don't disagree with that part. But the part I disagree with is that this guy said that he was going to take away fantasy production from Aaron Donald. And I was like, hold on a second. That's no, that's not going to happen. I, I, I agree he can help the Rams. I, can, I agree that he will be a great defensive tackle still. But... There's no question to me that Aaron Donald is not going to get less production. And and here's why. 
no less than eight sacks a season for Aaron Donald. He's been in the league four years, and he has no less than eight sacks a season. You know how many times Sue has was over eight sacks in one season? Uh, once. Wow. One. Yeah, one time. I didn't let you guess. I'm sorry. <laughs> but And that was back in 2010 when he was a rookie. All right? So this... The value of Aaron Donald is so much higher. I know Aaron Donald's not a defensive tackle anymore, and he's on that defensive end side. But for crying out loud, to say that you're going to take production away from Aaron Donald because you have Ndamukong Sue now is just a little ridiculous. And if okay, so I have to I have to stop myself and look at last year's production. Sue had 29 tackles, not terrible. Nine tackles for losses. All right, 19 assists. That's that's pretty good amount of assists. And he had four and a half sacks. So that's pretty average when it comes to defensive tackles. Now, I still consider Aaron Donald defense tackle because I it's really hard for me not to. But he ended up having 32 tackles. 15 of them were for a loss. So almost half of them were for a loss. And 11 of them tackles for a loss were sacks. 11 sacks. Okay? And he had nine assists. There's two big differences to me from Aaron Donald and Ndamukong Sue. As one, obviously the sacks. There's only four and a half for Sue and 11 for Donald. And two, the assists. Okay? Sometimes assists are like, all right, that guy got there. But sometimes assists can, oh, that guy missed it. Somebody else ended up getting the tackle, and that guy, and then he ended up helping him out. Well, let me say that when you say Aaron Donald had assists, I say. Aaron Donald doesn't assist others. Other people assist Aaron Donald. <laughs> I would agree with that. And that's what's going to happen with Ndamukong Sue. I mean, he's going to get his assists. And he already had 19 assists, which was 10 more than Aaron Donald. What does that tell me? That tells me that he has missed some spots, and he goes over there and helps somebody out. Aaron Donald only had nine. He took the rest of them. He's like, all right, no, you're not going to help me out because I'm going to take it. I'll help you out because I have to run a mile to go get him. I mean, he had nine assists. This guy, to say that that Ndamukong Sue is going to take production away from Aaron Donald is asinine. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm sorry I'm getting heated, but it's so stupid to me that you would say such a thing. If anything, it's going to be Ndamukong Sue's production that goes down. I don't really think that's going to happen. I think they're going to both, they're going to be right next to each other. It's going to be a great combination. But to say that, it's just so ridiculous. And I'm sorry I got heated. I couldn't help myself. And if anything happens, maybe because there's both Aaron Donald and Sue on that line, maybe they're going to have to account for them so much that a guy like Michael Brockers, who also used to be considered a defensive tackle. So (laughs) it it looks like the Rams are using three defensive tackles on their line and then setting up their outside linebackers. Yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, to see what happens with basically what I still think is three defensive tackles. That's going to be your defensive line. And then you got uh, Matt Longacre, who, you know, was pretty good last year. But, I mean, Michael Brockers got four and a half sacks, okay? I'm looking at sacks. I know I'm not looking at tackles, but he had four and a half sacks, which is pretty decent, but he was at the defensive tackle position. So if we scoot him over and be the defensive end, how is he going to, how is he going to react? How is he going to play? We're going to find out. I don't know. I, it just it, that is a funny one. I, I want to watch it. I want to watch the Rams because the defensive tackles, uh, they got three of them. 
I mean, they were they were drafted as defensive tackles, and they've all been proven to be pretty good at defensive tackles. And now you got all three of them being your defensive line. Yeah, it should be fun to watch, um, unless their linebackers don't produce, which means they'll just you know block everybody on the line and. They'll be able to, you know, use the middle of the field or run outside maybe because, uh, you know, their inside linebackers. They have uh, Mark Barron listed as one of their inside linebackers. Yeah. He used to be a safety, uh, so he's not like a huge guy to plug up the middle there. But he is a decent tackler. So, I mean, if he can anchor the the linebacking core, they might have a chance. Well, besides. Matt Longacre, Brockers, uh, Sue, and Aaron Donald. Who's going to rush that quarterback? Who's going to put pressure on that quarterback? It, you can't, it can't just be them four guys. they got to have somebody else step up. And if you look at it, let's see, uh, Samson Ebukam. I think that's how you say his name. I'm not 100% on that one. But he, he only had two sacks, okay? Corey Littleton had one, and Matt Longacre had five and a half. So that's that's all the linebackers that they have currently on on their team. I know they lost some some linebackers from last year, but these guys that they have right now they're unproven. So we have to find out what they have in the tank to get up there and put some pressure on them because you can't rely on just Aaron Donald and Sue and Brockers. I mean, if you look at it, there's only eight and a half sacks for the linebackers that they have now. That's less than what Aaron Donald had last year. Aaron Donald had 11 sacks. I mean, <laughs> and what happens if somebody gets hurt or suspended in the Dominican Seuss case? Because you know that's probably going to happen. <laughs> Very at some possibly. Point. Who's going to Who's going to fill the void if somebody gets hurt or suspended? Maybe they don't need to fill the void too much if Marcus Peters and Akib Talib, their new cornerbacks on this team, if they both play lockdown corner, well, maybe they bring Marcus Joyner up. Maybe John Johnson, their strong safety. Maybe he plays more in the box. There should be less pressure on their safeties if their defensive line is getting pressure every time. I mean, that was that was the way the Eagles did it last year. They rotated their defensive line. They were fresh. They were getting pressure, and it took a lot of pressure off of their cornerbacks and safeties where they could make plays and they didn't have to stay in coverage for so long. Maybe that's their plan with Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib is they can shut down their wide receivers for just a second longer and that'll allow you know one of those outside linebackers to get around Aaron Donald if he's being double teamed and cause some kind of havoc in the backfield. Yeah, uh, it's very possible. I mean, these guys have been proven to be great cornerbacks throughout the years. And I would say that uh, Marcus Peters is pretty good and Tlaib's pretty good. But how, if that's true, if they end up wanting them to shut down their wide receivers for just a smidge longer, how does that affect their fantasy value? Well, if they're shutting them down, I believe you have to stay away from Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters because – if they're not getting passes thrown their way, there's there's no reason to have them on your team. I mean, Marcus Peters is an interception machine, and who knows, maybe he has a little more confidence this year and he jumps more passes. So maybe the safeties will have more stats this year because Marcus Peters is trying to jump routes and he's not going to get every single one of them. So maybe there's going to be a little more... Uh, stat padding for the safeties on that team. Well, that's very possible. 
there's no one thing there's no question about is that Rams defense looks to be a little bit more stellar than they were last year. How that all connects, whether or not they can all play together, we'll have to find out. But they definitely look like they're going to be a stellar defense. Yep, we will find out. Uh, I'm scared of them on paper, but yeah. we don't play the games on paper. Nope. <laughs> if you did, uh, the Eagles wouldn't have won the Super Bowl because they lost Carson Wentz in the season. So, yeah, you can't play things on paper because otherwise you're going to be like, oh, no, just give it up. Nope. And while we're talking about on paper, we're going to talk about something that we will never have on paper, and those are strong feelings like ESP. Oh, no. ESP, early season predictions. Well, my ESP. I have a guy that I have such a huge feeling about. It is a defensive end, like I said earlier in the show. But my feeling on him is that he's going to be superb. And that guy is J.J. Watt. Yes, I know his name is J.J. And you probably could have taken him and it made some kind of cool little spiel and said, J.J. and J.J. and J.J. But I took it. I took it because, listen, not only did he get the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award last year for doing everything he did to raise the money for the people who are affected by Hurricane Harvey, but he is just that good when he's on the field. I know last year was no doubt disappointing. And of course, so was 2016. But this year is the year he becomes healthy and plays lights out. He will play every single game this year. In 2015, he had 17 and a half sacks and 57 tackles. And the year before that was even better. I understand why people say, whoa, you might want to hold off on J.J. Watt. But... I've got this feeling deep down that he's going to go crazy again. And that feeling is that he will get 20 sacks again this year. He could be in the running for the MVP award. At the end of the year, all the announcers are going to be saying, what an amazing story, because they're talking about J.J. Watt, the guy that didn't do anything the last two years but how great of a season that he will have this year. Get J.J. Watt in your IDP league this year because my ESP will not disappoint. Wow, I I hope you're right. I have had J.J. Watt in one league. I'm in the fifth year of the league. I have had him since the beginning, and he has taken me on quite a roller coaster. And If he does what you say he's going to do, uh, there's no doubt that I will be in the running for a championship in that league. Yeah, I had him last year. I think it was one of the only years I had him, and he disappointed me. He started out okay, but then it was just like, ah. Yep, yep. I I hope you're (laughs) right because, yes, it will be a great story, and it will be great for fantasy, but it just couldn't happen to a better guy. Right, you're right. My ESP is a guy that your Jets just acquired. Ooh. Uh, a little bit of a no-namer to some people. Uh, he was picked up in free agency. His name is Avery Williamson. 
linebacker. Um, this guy's been very consistent. Again, we love our consistency on this show. And last year, he was still consistent. Uh, he wasn't an amazing stat producer, but they relegated him to two-down work. He was not on the field all the time and still produced almost the same numbers. So when he comes to the Jets, and from what I've read, the Jets are enamored with this guy. Uh, I know they've got some young guys, you know, Darren Lee and Jordan Jenkins. But I think they brought him in for consistency. And if he stays on the field uh, for more than two downs, I think he's going to be a sneaky, sneaky guy to put in your IDP lineups. So if you want to wait on linebackers or if you have a deep 11-player starting defensive squad, that is a guy I have a real good feeling that he is going to be cheap in a salary league or he's going to be a late-round pick as a linebacker, and he's going to surprise some people. And I think he's going to be a very, very good guy for the Jets this year. I actually agree with you because I almost took him as my ESP. I have a feeling about him too. But, I mean, I think Avery is going to be Avery good player this year. Yes, I know you did. All right, that's going to wrap it up for our show, but for one more thing I just want to throw out there, and I think it's a very, very cool piece of news, is the Hall of Fame has selected uh, a photo of Nick Foles and his daughter as the 2017 NFL Photo of the Year. I'm sure oh, I'm nice. sure everybody out there has seen it. Uh, he's holding his daughter, and she's got the headphones on, and the confetti is flying. And to all the Eagles fans out there, that that is basically the epitome of our season. And I just want to say that selecting that photo, uh, you know, it's, it's going to have a special place in a lot of our hearts. And I think that's a pretty cool photo to have up there in the Hall of Fame now. Nick Foles has two things in the Hall of Fame, and I don't remember <laughs> the last time that uh, somebody's been in the Hall of Fame twice before even ending their career. <laughs> uh, that Yeah, I don't think that's ever happened. It's possible, but kind of doubt it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you, everybody, and we will see you very soon. Tom and I would like to thank you for listening and supporting us. We greatly appreciate the feedback we receive and love interacting with our listeners. You can contact us with any questions you may have or line up roster advice on Twitter at FantasyFuel, Facebook.com slash FantasyFuel, and Instagram at FantasyFuelPodcast. You can also reach us the old-fashioned way via email at FantasyFuelPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, and remember to stay fueled up this fantasy season.